right, today on the Glue Guys, we are going to talk about the win against the Raptors. Quite a big win, as well as some questions. A special mailbag pod from Reddit and our email account, netspod at gmail. As well, Brian, Whoa. we will talk about stars. Wow. Sounds academic. Welcome back to the Blue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys. Netsdaily.com. <laughs> yeah. Is that good? I'm just going to sing this whole pod. Come on. We big di- fat tip. Sorry. Go ahead. Do the plug. The Athletic iTunes five stars we need and we want to have, have to have them. Brian, the Nets are back. How are you? They're truly back this time, Mike. It's uh, it's quite a delight. The meme happened. The pivot, the big pivot happened into when we start beating everybody. It's the mid-February pivot. Everybody knows it. Everyone feels it coming. As we're talking right now, I have the game on replay. I, I missed the game last night. I have to admit, I was at a concert. I'm cool. No big deal. Tell them what the um, co- it was like. Some kind of like like a kids concert for English kids or something. <laughs> yeah, it's English English <laughs> tween bop. Oh, um, nice. Rex Orange County, dropping names. I don't know. I was the oldest person there who wasn't a parent of the people that were there. Mm. Quite a vibe, quite a scene. Yeah. Uh, I The line to the bar was uh, very short because no one could drink alcohol. Though, yeah. I will tell you, the uh, 17-year-olds that were in attendance for Rex Orange County were quite lit. Uh, oh, Quite wow. lit. Were they plying you for they're trying to, hey, 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 Mr. Man, can you buy us some? <laughs> <laughs> hey, old guy with, like, yeah. the, the saggy sags under your eyes, uh, get some sleep nah, and buy us some beer. No, nah, no. Nah. No, I actually kind of, I was kind of terrified that that would happen because I don't know what, I was going to, my excuse was like, I'm a cop. I was going to say something like that. <laughs> like, I'm a cop. Get away. You got, you got so deep into this fantasy. <laughs> that's amazing. Anyway, you sorry. Know me, I, okay. Uh, the Nets are back, Brian. Yeah, that I is, mean, yes. That's one important. of the, truly one of the biggest wins of the season. Obviously, it's always a weird game. The last game before All-Star break. You can kind of expect the Raptors to decline a little bit in intensity. They had been on such a heater, but the Nets took advantage. And the Nets are developing a little bit of a heater. Even, I don't know what that means. Yeah, it's getting hot in here. Um, no, I mean, I think that was interesting because I, you know, even in the broadcast, Richard Jefferson made reference to the fact that people generally mail it in the night before All-Star break. Um but it did not seem like the Toronto Raptors mailed it in whatsoever. Lowry was getting feisty AF, and um, it was. It seemed like, you know, maybe it was that in the first half they came in a little lethargically and then just couldn't get back over the hump, and we could attribute to that. But that's just good old-fashioned winning basketball, you know, putting your thumb down um, or whatever, your foot on their necks, you know, all that kind of that violent stuff. All, um, all that stuff. I mean, there's no need to apologize for the win. It's a win. I mean, they the again, this is a Raptors team that had been the hottest or one of the hottest in the NBA. They got Kyle Lowry back for this game. You know, like I'm watching it right now. Uh, it's nine minutes left in the third quarter. On the floor is Pascal Siakam, OJ Ananobi, Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, and Fred Van Vliet. That's a, a pretty uh, formidable lineup. And the Nets, with their own formidable lineup, beat them. Another game where DeAndre Jordan was uh, important to the victory. Uh, another game where Carousel Vert had a pretty good game. Uh, it is, 
you know, we're, we're going to get to some questions in our mailbag, netspot at Gmail and from Reddit. And we appreciate everyone who all reached out to us. This team is rounding into form at the right time, potentially for when one star we know who's coming back after the All-Star break and when another star may also be returning not so uh, far away. So just just a taste of what we're going to be talking about today, Brian. Do you want to just dive right into the... By the way, I see an all-the-smoke advertisement during the game, a courtside. I mean, they're putting that's, some serious that's been money there. behind that that's pot. That's been there all season. I don't know. This is the first time you've noticed it, but that's been there. I think I noticed it because of that KD interview. Now it's like on my mind. It's on that, your like, radar. Um, I like that. The like the what's implicit about that is that they're high. Is that the issue? Is that like <laughs> all the smoke? Is that because yeah. they do love? Yeah, they're high. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> sure. Come on. If you can pull that off, high. That's um, that's impressive to me because all I can do is watch Great American Bake Off. And try not to freak out. Um, the yeah, let's just get into it. Let's just get into the mailbag. Absolutely. Um, first one up. So this is from Reddit. Brian will be from Netspot at Gmail. I will be the Reddit traffic cop. First one up from Reddit. Zach is a Jew on Reddit. Thank you, Zach. He says hi, Mike. You guys have a good podcast. All the best, Zach. That's it. Thank you, Zach. Next question. The Fatherland on Reddit says, "Hey, Mike, love your podcast. I like that he distinguishes." That it's my podcast. It is. I mean, it does. I mean, that feels accurate. Go ahead. Right. My question is, why hasn't Karuts seen any game action the last few games, even though he has arguably been playing better against some guys in the current rotation? Brian, what is going on with Rodan's Karuts? Why is he not playing basketball for the Brooklyn Nets as much? You know, I've thought a lot about this, and I don't have... There isn't an obvious answer that jumps off the page outside of... Um, the, our rotation seems to favor a certain kind of type of player. And his X factorness is um, maybe the kind of the kind of X factorness that you want to use in sparing amounts as a utility to sort of mix things up. Um, I mean, it seems to me that they are like locking in their. I'm using my air quotes here. Their system because the system is a little <laughs> that's a bit um, grandiose for what we've got going on. Um, and part of playing within the context of a system is sort of being a system player. Um, that's not to say that Kuruks could not be one going forward, um, because I think he's basically got got those, like, you know, somewhere in the range of those talents. He can shoot threes. He's rangy. He's, like, you know, he's got a body that would potentially be good at playing defense. Um, but that being said, he's his, like, baser instincts. He always, he, he lets his reptilian brain take over all the time, and he wants <laughs> to be constantly playing... Um, super not conservative defense and playing passing lanes and just like causing chaos, which is, I think, very useful in times when you are losing to a team that maybe you shouldn't be losing to and you, you know, insert him in there, shake things up again. But also that hasn't really been Kirk's identity. I feel like also this season that, that, um, I don't know, that, that spirit in him is a little bit, um, uh, the volume's been turned down, so um, he's, like, definitely settling for, like, corner threes. And so it's weird because, like, he's finding himself, like, playing the system a bit, but also it's not as enthusiastically. And so it's just in a weird spot. Um, yeah, and yeah. I, I think it it's also that I think Atkinson, because early on the season he had a lot of minutes to Musa, a, a lot of minutes to, like, varying guys on, that, are, that really aren't even playing on the team. Amon Shumpert, not on the team. Obviously David Nwaba, but that's a different circumstance. I think now... And I don't think this is KD influence. I don't think it's like we need to sure up the rest of our rotation because we know Kevin Durant is coming back. It's not like he's not playing Rodion's groups because he knows Kevin Durant's coming back. And it's not 
uh, <laughs> worthwhile because Karutz wouldn't see the floor with KD. Not that. But I think there's been more pressure placed on Atkinson, and the team has responded well to it in the recent few weeks, but there's been more pressure. He's had a tighter rotation of players. He's had less sort of those minutes that typically go to G League guys. I think he's had enough of seeing Theo Pinson and Musa and Karutz playing really big minutes. Now, TLC's out there playing minutes, but he fits along with what they like and what they want, which is just like a kind of a rangy swingman who will just only do the things that you ask him to do. And why we likes Rhodey is because he doesn't do the things we ask him to do. He does some yeah, unusual stuff. Yeah, as a stuff. fan, it's super fun to watch, um, you know, the wild card. Um, so I'll piggyback off of, there's a few like questions like this in there, um, in the email. So I'll just piggyback with Joey Cefeli, your boy, um, saying fan of the show, obviously. Thank you for being a fan of our show, Joey. Um, so one of his many questions we can piggyback is why do Torian Prince and Wilson Chandler get preferential treatment over Rodian's crews? So it does, I mean, it is maybe cool. fair to say that Wilson Chandler has effect- effectively taken his spot in the rotation. Um, and like, what is it about Wilson Chandler that, <laughs> um, makes him better than Rodian's Kirks? Um, because like Wilson Chandler has not sort of soared to prominence over the course of the season, at least. I mean, like, he, he does... One thing that he does that Rodians cannot do is his thickness is super necessary. Um, mm-hmm. We have a very, very skinny team. Um, but then also, like, that's <laughs> that's part of, like, um, the... I don't know, that's part of, like, the system thing. It's, like, it does kind of, like, veer, and the, this isn't part of our system stuff, but um, <clears throat> what Wilson Chandler does is play massively conservatively. Um, you will not see Wilson Chandler playing... Like the odds that he like pump fakes out of or gets run off the three point line and like shoots up a mid range floater or something is just n- not really a thing. Um, whereas that's the kind of decision you could see Rodian's Kurik's making like really easily. Um, and and sometimes with great effect. Like sometimes he'll just like you know ram a dunk on somebody and it'll be awesome. Um, Wilson Chan, you'll never ever see that. That'll never happen. Um, but you will see the three the what is it the the three point attack thing which is just he's passing he's he's driving and he's kicking that's all he's doing um yeah and and, and i find so obviously atkinson really does trust wilson chandler because chandler's gotten a lot of crunch time minutes for the nets when would not have predicted that when the season began i mean i you know he's a fine guy he's a minimum vet but he's been out there on the floor at the end of the games he does trust wilson chandler i've i've enjoyed the wilson chandler minutes uh I think he definitely has something in his tank. There's still some petrol in his tank right now, if we're going to go with that analogy. But uh, And I, I think he should be playing over Rodion's Cruz. I would like Rodi to get more minutes because I, I, we both enjoy the X-Factor element that he brings. But the, the honest truth of it is, I don't think Atkinson has really the stomach anymore to trust sort of a lot of minutes to guys who are unpredictable and from night to night Atkinson doesn't know what he's going to get from them the Nets record while they've been improving what is it 25 and 28 or whatever it is it's it's not 500 they are pretty firmly probably going to be in the playoffs but that's not guaranteed and this team does need to go into the playoffs it needs to happen you can't even though KD's out you can't suffer a season not being in the playoffs, even with Kyrie's injury history and with all the excuses that live up, this team has to be in the playoffs, you know? And you can't really suffer 
the minutes that have that used to be distributed earlier in the season to the Theo Pinson Musa Karutz, and he just can't really trust Rhodey at the moment. I'm sure we'll see a resurgence. Uh, maybe we'll see a Nick Claxton surgence at some point too. But right now, uh, I don't think he can trust him. Next yeah. question. Well, yeah. I mean, let me also just say one last little yeah. bit is that I think like like look at the matchup last night of like Serge Ibaka. You know, like would you want Wilson Chandler or Kurik's over Wilson Chandler to be guarding Serge Ibaka for those minutes? Not so sure you would. Not so sure right. you would. Um, but let me just also finish off Joey Cefeli's little – he's got a few points here, which I just want to touch on. Why does Kenny hate the mid-range to the point where Spencer is afraid to even take them, and why is our offense so predictable? Um, interesting questions. Um, I don't know that our offense is necessarily – if if it's, it's predictability that's the issue, um, because – I think like many offenses are like they're they're following a a pretty strict guideline these days. There's a you know a league wide trend homogenized offense here. I think when it's at its best is where it's sort of in its hybrid of a set that has structure um, or like a broken set that has structure. Where we're basically just like driving kicking over and over again, but it's not like a motion offense. It's not a set play. We're not like you know like holding the ball waiting for your screen to come to you and then like watching those two defenders like navigate that screen you know in a very um practicey kind of way uh i like it best when the ball uh it's you know it's got those four passes all along the arc and people are just like trying to probe away at whatever like small incremental little driving kicks you can get um so i the issue with that is that it relies a lot on people like knowing playing with other players a lot knowing each other's instincts a lot i think it's like it's not that it's predictable it's just like it's not natural yet um the way that it may be like and that's why it seems to always like get there at the end of the season right it just seems to like you know crescendo towards the end when people start like actually understanding um people's favorite spots and where they like the ball and who should shoot the ball when and stuff like that um per the spencer is afraid to take mid-range shots i mean (laughs) kenny's an analytics guy spencer is not a good shooter by most measures um not to say like you know he's good he's a high volume or yeah low efficiency guy which is you know he's his own special kind of thing but um we've had the conversation you know the analytics conversation this is this is a dead subject unfortunately and belongs in you know sort of 2015 we just understand now that three-pointers are worth so much more than two-pointers um from the mid-range and you know that's not to say like i was listening to people talk about you know the like sort of deep analytic stuff and why Kawhi leonard is able to shoot like elbow jumpers and stuff like that um and it's because he hits like 61 percent of them or something you know people allow you to shoot mid-range jumpers if you're especially good at them but if you're average or below they tell you not to um which which makes sense mathematically to my eye i guess D'Angelo Russell was, is such a special circumstance in the NBA himself. I mean, every even in Golden State, which was, you know, the franchise that revolutionized the NBA with three-push shot, D'Angelo Russell was allowed to take mid-range shots. I don't really – I honestly don't really want Dinwiddie taking a ton of mid-range. I don't really want him also taking his step-back threes. He continues to do that, and sometimes it's really effective, and other times it uh, leads to an extremely ugly possession – He's really gifted at getting to the basket, getting fouled. He, he's and in like the 99th percentile in terms of like you know points per drive or whatever. He's he's yeah. one of the most talented drivers. You don't want him to to um, put that behind a a mid range jumper in terms of primacy for what he's trying to do offensively. But we talked about it when he hit the game winner. What was it against Indiana? It was that you know that is a soft cushy part of a defense now that teams across the NBA are not guarding. And if you can get to it, particularly at the end of a game. 
when it's still by habit players don't um, defend the mid-range as well as they do three-point line and around the basket, it leads to opportunities to actually hit a game winner like that. Um, Kevin Durant, who is coming back at some point uh, in the year, in the calendar year, um, is the, probably you know the best mid-range player in the NBA. Uh, he will be providing a tremendous boost to the offense. What a take that Kevin Durant's going to provide a tremendous boost to the offense. Uh, Brian. Hit me. Uh, Reddit question for you. This is Will Smith's cousin. This goes along with kind of what we're talking about and what we talked about last pod. Do you buy the narrative that Lavert, Kyrie, and Didwitty cannot coexist? If so, who do we trade? Let's uh, take away the who do we trade part yet. Do you believe that Lavert, Kyrie, and Didwitty cannot coexist? Um, yeah, I've. I've thought about it a bit, and I think, like, this is a mealy-mouthed answer, but, like, coexisting itself is a sort of a spectrum, right? There's, like, there's definitely not coexisting, and then, like, super, um, you Beautiful know, cohesion. Right. And yeah. and I don't know that it's either end of the spectrum. It's somewhere in the middle, um, and it depends a lot on... For me, it depends on the two. I think Spencer is the most adaptable player on the roster, or like maybe in the league for for you know better or worse, or whatever. Um, Kyrie and Karis Levert to me seem like the two um, that are like unwilling or unable to adapt their game to playing with each other. Um, and it's not that it's like what they do is redundant. It just seems to be that like for whatever reason, when all three of them are playing together or not even playing together, sort of like staggering their minutes, they just sort of become ISO dribble drive guys which fits a pattern of like Kenny Atkinson like Kenny Atkinson's teams are some of the drivingest teams in basketball so he's definitely telling them to do that um but we do lo- like lose entirely this I this drive and kick identity which I think is by far our like we get the best results out of um the thing is you leave Karis and Kyrie's like best attributes on the table when you do that and they feel like well our most effective the thing that we're best at is like we're not doing it as much which is maybe going back like over the years what Kyrie's issue has often been it's like I think that there is a bit of a reckoning you know we saw this with centers there's kind of a reckoning happening with dribble drive you know first penetration guards that you know kind of that take a while that move too much east to west to to get into the paint um there that I think that that's an inefficient way of of getting the ball to where you want it to be um now I think Kyrie is like at the highest level of that kind of ultimately inefficient thing so it like passes the eye test way more than most other you know similar players um but yeah so in terms of like that kind of coexistence I'll put it at like if like 50% is neutral and 0% is awful and 100% is I don't know the 86 Celtics or whatever um, <laughs> then I'm putting it at like a, like 60, you know, like on that the, seems fair. yeah, like it is north of better than neutral, but not notably good. Yeah. So my ultimate thing, and I'm going to kind of expand out this conversation a little bit. I, so obviously if you have a team of Levert, Kyrie and Dinwiddie and they're all healthy, that's a pretty good team. But once Kevin Durant comes back, what you're really going to want out of, so if you have those three guards, you have Durant, and then you have a center on the floor, DeAndre or Jared Allen, you're actually going to really want beyond those three, you're going to want a shooter like Joe Harris or Torian Prince. You're not going to want three guards who all are ISO heavy, all need to handle the ball, all deserve to handle the ball, and Kevin Durant, and then you're, you know, your defensive center lob guy, blah, blah, blah. So 
the ultimate best lineup for this team and what will be the crunch time lineup once Durant comes back this season is probably Joe Harris on the floor or Torian Prince on the floor with Kyrie and Dinwiddie, KD, and then DeAndre Jordan or Jared Allen, whoever they decide to go at center. And then at times, now I don't know with Durant, with his Achilles, if they're going to put the stress on him, unlikely they are knowing the Nets, but at times Durant's going to become, you know, the offensive five and you're going to take the center off the floor if you're flipping possessions and maybe even putting him defensively at the five at various times. But then again, you're putting stress on KD. Grand scheme of things, I don't, I agree with you that it's like 60%. Like, I don't think it's a disaster. I don't think it's Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid level of like, ooh, this is ugly. It doesn't feel right. Something has to be done. There has to be some kind of either major coaching change, guy who's brought like Phil Jackson who brings in the triangle. I'm sure Phil Jackson would love to triangle up the 76ers. Um, or, or you have to make a big trade. I don't think that, uh, but they all don't really make a ton of sense on the floor together if you're making a modern offense. It's a lot of drive and kick, and that's great. But when you're kicking it out, you're going to be kicking out to, like, nobody because Kyrie's never really been a catch-and-shoot guy. Dinwiddie is not a catch-and-shoot guy, and Levert really shouldn't be a catch-and-shoot guy. So then if you have KD, well, you're not going to make KD a guy who stands in the corner and receives passes beyond the three-point line to shoot threes. And then you have your center on the floor, again, a guy who – you don't want Jared Allen standing in the corner catching and shooting three. So my long answer, my long explanation to the short answer is that eventually they're going to make a trade and eventually Dinwiddie or Levert is going to be in that trade. What they get, what the guy that they target out of that, I don't know. I mean, Bradley Beal's just the guy you will always name in this segment, but it would need to be another player who, one doesn't truly demand the ball all that much. Like Clay Thompson <laughs> truly would be this the the best possible player that the Nets could get. I don't think the Warriors are trading Clay Thompson to the Nets. Um, but like a guy who only needs to take eight dribbles to score 40 points and is one of the greatest three-point shooters of all time would be a nice addition to uh your Brooklyn Nets Brian. Mm. Speaking of which, your boy Mike Ierpino. Says, hey guys, great show. Great to have you on the show, Mike. Uh, call me crazy, but with a presumably healthy Durant and Kyrie headed into the playoffs, do you think this team, if healthy, can take down Toronto slash Boston in round number one? It's not likely, but talent-wise, they really aren't that far off from those teams. Toronto-Boston definitely play better team basketball, but looking at the talent individually, I don't see it as impossible. What do you guys think? Um, I think, I mean... So, okay, let me ask you. I'm going to flip this around a little bit. Would you rather in that scenario play the Raptors or play Boston? Um, and, and including all the emotions that Boston would bring. Like, I'm not, this is in just not in a basketball vacuum where they would play in a soundless arena. Uh, going on to what we're going to talk about later with the type of stars. We're not in the vacuum of space. We are in the environments that it would bring, the stories that it would bring. Do you want to play Boston or do you want to play Toronto? I guess, and this is, <clears throat> I think I've probably like waffled on this a couple of times at this point, but... Um, as have I, yeah. I think I think my feeling as So, you know, they say like when you're afraid of something, Mike, when there's like a lot of, you know, you just got to go head first into the problem. And I think for <laughs> for me, vanquishing the Boston Celtics problem... You know, I'm I, I I'm concerned about it. The Celtics travel super well. It'd be a shit show in Barclays. It would be a a very stressful series. But for me, I think 
and I've talked about this before, but Toronto, despite the loss last night that they took, the fat L they took to our Brooklyn Nets, um, is the better coach team. Um, and it's there's very few times. I mean, like Brett, Brett seems great, fine, whatever. Uh, I do think that Merce is like overrated, a, but yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's sort of where I am. Um, whereas Merce is like a a, a uh, kind of a real tactician and one of the best in game, um, you know, coaches in in the league, and one of the few times when there's an actual advantage there. And I think Kenny is particularly vulnerable to that kind of thing. Um, I love Kenny. Don't get me wrong. I think there's lots of room for How him to improve you, um, that sk- that particular skill. But as as presently constituted, I think that is a pretty distinct disadvantage and one that I just don't really trust him to account for. Um, that and then also, I, I mean, I how many, how many more times do we play Boston this year? Um, I, feel, I don't know if we. I mean, we must play them one more time, but I don't think it would be in Boston, right? Oh no, we play them in March. I'm pretty sure because I remember thinking when Kyrie didn't show up for that one game, not that he didn't show up, that he was hurt, that there would be a game in March from which Kyrie would return to Boston. And I was thinking maybe KD would be a part of that. I can look up the net schedule as I'm talking, yeah. which I probably should have done, which would have been like the professional podcast thing to do. Yeah, it's a podcast. Nobody's paying attention. Um, they go March 3rd. They go to Boston, uh, 7.30 tip for all those waiting at home. Uh, KD unlikely to actually play in that game if we're, if we're doing the KD tracker. And then the Celtics come to Barclays, March 21st. Everyone write that down on the calendar. It's a six o'clock game, so I'm guessing that's a Sunday. Uh, I don't know the Gregorian calendar in my head perfectly, but I'm going to guess that's a Sunday if it's a six o'clock tip. Um, yeah, I think it's really tough because it's kind of this uh, Boston has way more talent than Toronto, uh, but they are also kind of disjointed at times and they have this huge weakness of not having a center. And the Nets could actually, for the first time in feels like forever, could take advantage of a team that didn't have, like, the most solid center position. Like, DeAndre and Jared Allen could have really productive minutes against Boston. Um, And not counting, again, the Toronto game that we just saw, I am fearful of a team that seems so well-attuned to each other and has the championship pedigree and has all these veterans that are all really, like, super engaged. But if you're ranking, like, if you're just taking those teams out of their systems and you're ranking talent and guys you'd rather have Boston, it would have, I mean, frankly, beyond Siakam, I don't know where you'd slot, slot Siakam in there. Maybe he's number one. But then after that, I would go people Kemba, Tatum Brown and people got pretty triggered by the fact that you put Siakam above Kyrie Irving last week. I didn't even, I wasn't even paying attention when you said that. I must've blacked out, but I don't know. Somebody said he said that. Um, uh, I mean, Siakam's, I, I just want people to real, I mean, Siakam's been he's been no, unbelievable. No, I mean, I'll also say that like I think more scary than Siakam in like the cl- the end of a close game is Fred Van Vliet. Like that dude stresses me out yeah. super hard to I've, watch. Yeah. I don't want to be like I've loved it forever, but I have loved that guy forever and I'm so interested to see what I think he's going to be a free agent, a restricted free agent or unrestricted, I don't know, but he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year and like he's a guy that it's so interesting like how much money do you devote to a like a 6-foot point guard who's never really been the lead ball handler on a team but who every moment you see him on the floor he's making a play he's playing like I remember there's a game the Nets had like two seasons ago when Van Vliet like it was like the Nets won because Van Vliet was hurt in the game because he used to give D'Angelo Russell or whoever was the point guard for the Nets at the time such trouble defensively um I fucking I love myself some Freddie Van Vliet 
Um, let's do one more question each, and then we got to go killer comparison. Um, I'm going to go one more from Reddit, and thank you all for Reddit for uh, uh, embracing this segment here. I really appreciate it. I feel like I have to thank all of Reddit, uh, which I will do right now. Uh, this is from The Fine Art. He says, love the podcast. With a half season of the books, who do you see in the starting lineup next year with Katie and Kyrie? And I'll answer this quickly. Uh, I think Katie and Kyrie will be in the starting lineup. I think they will trade Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. So meaning DeAndre Jordan's your starter. Whoever they traded for will be uh, slotted into the starting role. And I think Spencer Dinwiddie will still be on the team. Who do they trade for, Mike? Who's it going to be? I think it's going to be Bradley Beal if they're going to do it. Well, um, you heard it now, I don't first. know about like all the background of like, is Bradley Beal friends with Kyrie and KD? From what we understand, the only friends are allowed. Only friends are allowed in Brooklyn now. It's no more uh, strangers. We don't allow that. We stranger danger in Brooklyn. But um, I ultimately, I just think the Nets are going to make some big trade this offseason. They have too many young players on really pretty solid contracts. I'm talking about Karis LeVert, Torian Prince, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen. Um, they have first-round picks to play with. When you're a contender of this level, if you have Katie and Kyrie, you typically go all in. You don't build, you don't continue to hoard your first-round picks in this way. Not that they're hoarding them, but typically those get sent out and you have to look around the NBA to see who would be available. We don't know. Is Portland uh, bullish at all on their team or is, are they ready to fold it in? Now they've been better of late, but like CJ McCollum's just classically been a guy who seemingly could be available and he would fit really well in Brooklyn. So next year's starting lineup will be Katie Kyrie player X, which is arrives here in the trade, whichever center remains, which is going to be Dante Jordan. And then I would say Spencer Dinwiddie remains. I think he's such a crucial part of this team. He's the MVP of the season. He seems to be the closest with Kyrie outside KD. Um, I don't I don't see a world in which you trade Spencer Dinwiddie unless the guy you're getting back again is like such a, a phenomenal talent that you can go to Kyrie and say, hey, we traded one of your best buddies for like this guy. It's indisputable. He has to be on the team and we can thank Spencer for his service. So, again, I think that's what I would say to nice. that. But well, what a prediction to make, you know, in February. It'll big probably be big predictions. Wrong. Spicy takes. Um, I'm going to sneak two in. They're going to be quick. Yes. Um, first is true boy Austin Sternlicht. Sternlicht. Um, says, I've been on team. KD should sit the entire season, and none how of these you. videos will change that. All that being said, how would you feel if he did sit the entire season but played a small to mid-sized role on the Olympic team? I think it would be a great way to ease him Ooh. back and also not have there be any rust like what Porzingis is dealing with this season. Austin, thank you for writing in. I love you. I hate this line of thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't even like super healthy players playing in the Olympics not even like forget you about hate America, Brian, Brian Egan hates America. Everyone. He doesn't want to see America flourish overseas. Officially he said on the, podcast. I don't, um, I like you the nets care. more than I love America. That's that should be the promo of our yeah. podcast. Um, yeah. no, I, I, I love the thinking. Like I love the, the thought of like, that's like next level thinking, but yeah, no, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want KD to begin his like true on court rehab in Japan. Yeah, uh, the, the in only an thing environment not controlled by the Nets or even KD himself. Ever since the Paul George injury, it's just like no, no to everything Olympics. I don't even like for, like Joe Harris, you know, getting in his corner threes in the Olympics. That even gives me 
I think you might be even be tired this year from it, from from too much of that noise <laughs> last last off season. Um, okay, last is your boy Chris from Roosevelt Island um, says, "What's up, guys? Dragon Bender was a name that was floated." Uh, around a as a potential Nets trade target about two seasons ago, ago, he's been waived by the Bucks. Should the Nets pursue now that it wouldn't cost us anything, and any other big body stretch at the four would make me happier at this point. Um, I, don't, I don't know what that last sentence was, but Chris, thank you. Um, Mike, do we want to pick up anybody off the wire, Dragon oh. Bender or anyone else? From what I understand, the Nets, so the buyout market, there's a really good piece on the ringer, and I'm sure there's a billion other places, but Dan Devine has a really good piece on like the top 10 buyout market candidates from J.R. Smith all the way down to like Tristan Thompson, and uh, Darren Collinson was left off the list because he flirted with the Lakers and Clippers, but has decided to remain retired. Uh, respect that decision. But I think the Nets, from what I understand, them signing TLC to the contract that they just did, which making him a full-time roster player has made it so essentially that they cannot pick up anyone else. I don't believe that they have an extra roster spot available. Um, I'm sure people on Twitter will confirm or tell me I'm lying about that. Um, I'll ask the justice department to uh, also check into that, but the, um, sorry, I I was trying to link that back to to Trump and (laughs) Roger Stone tweets and it really didn't work out. So I apologize for making this show. But yeah, I don't, I've never been a dragon bender dude. Uh, he's been constantly floated as a guy who could possibly be on the Nets. The Nets had a shot to get Dragon Bender when they wanted him, and they didn't want him. Uh, and particularly now, I'm pretty sure the Nets do not have the ability to sign someone unless they cut someone. I don't see uh, – there's there's no buyout guy unless it is like Tristan Thompson, and we know Kyrie and Tristan Thompson are like best buds. He'd be the only guy I'd be super-duper interested in besides J.R. Smith because I irrationally love J.R. Smith and want him in my life as a basketball player because he's super fun and hilarious. That's the only other guy, but that's not a real basketball decision. It's still so crazy. What That feeling you have for J.R. Smith, I'll never, I I'll never understand. Just, he's one of the guys, you know, he's like, we'll do this in the summer. Like all, all love team, all, mm. all the, all teams that just Ugh. want to hug the all Terrible. Furbies, the all Furby team. Um, weird. Yeah. Weird. Killer comparisons. If you don't know, I love explaining it because it's always a delight to try to explain exactly what we do here. But essentially, we compare either Nets players or basketball players in general to a certain topic. So Sometimes it it's be- even teams. It can be anything. We're just comparing things that are seemingly disparate and, and finding the connection, Mike. Today, as an inspiration to the All-Star game, uh, we have decided to compare Nets players to types of stars. Oh, why is that, stars. Mike? Is that because there's an All-Star Weekend coming up in a couple days? Yes, oh. which is exactly what I said 30 seconds ago if Brian was listening I wasn't. to what Mike was nope. saying. Never, never do. <laughs> tell me how this sounds to you as I'm beginning to play. Wow. Wow. Look at that. Wow. We are across the galaxy. Whoa podcasting amongst where are we the approach the mike, proto stars mike what is that is that a proto star in the in the oh horizon? i'm swimming through <laughs> i'm on the milky way okay. I'm, I'm dancing on, on top of saturn's rings <laughs> you can tell i've never really smoked Ooh, an irish, or, uh, an irish jig on the saturn rings, <laughs> saturn's rings. you can um, tell i'm pretty straight edge um so yeah, there you go. That was our music. Nice. I have thirty minutes of that. It's quite play, keep Why not play it the whole time? I don't see why not. I mean, I, okay, we'll, let's we'll do. Let's start. With, we'll like we'll pretend like we're on the tour. Okay, here's the proto star. Why don't you explain it, Mike? Wow. 
Okay, so the protostar, I don't know how loud this is coming through, but we'll be fine. A protostar is what you have before a star forms. A protostar is a collection of gas that is collapsed down from a giant molecule cloud. Brian, mm. who is your protostar? It's a giant molecular cloud. Like molecular. Nuclear? Nuclear. <laughs> Nuclear? Sorry. Um, this one. That's a callback to George W. Bush for everyone who's younger than 25. Sorry. So this one's obviously, this is like one of the more literal ones, right? Yes. Jared Allen, I guess, is where I went with this. Is that the correct answer? Did I do it correct? You are correct. No, I did, I did Nick Claxton, but we're both uh, thinking along the same lines. Yeah. Uh, why Jared Allen? <sighs> You know, for all the like, he could be a star at some point, but he's really not actually. I think probably Nick Claxton's a better one, just because it's so unformed. It's so, it's so proto at this point. Um, right. We're we're still trying to wonder and wait, like, because we there's the elements that are there, and, and I don't think he'll be a star, but he certainly has the ability, the talent inside of him to become a star. In some sense, and not all these players are stars that we'll talk about because the Nets aren't obviously filled. With as many stars. We don't have as... any all stars in the freaking all star game, Mike. Because <laughs> they're this is why we're doing this because they're all stars to us, literal stars. Let's go main sequence star. Uh, main that, sequence star. What is that in the distance, Mike? Oh, that, is, that... is a main. We're, we're floating <laughs> through the cosmos, and literally, oh. I would say to you, that is a main sequence star. Oh, cool. Now, now, Brian, the majority of all stars in our galaxy. What is it, Mike? Tell me more. And even the universe are main sequence stars. Our sun is a main sequence star. That's what we're swimming by right now. Oh, Mike, I'm drifting away. Our nearest neighbors. Mike, help me. Sirius and Alpha Centauri oh are main sequence stars. Brian, oh. get back here. Sorry, sorry, I'm back. Brian. <laughs> it was like uh, that movie Gravity, you know? Yeah, good movie. So Sandra. Solid film. Okay, sorry, get Probably ahead. the eighth best Sandra Bullock film. <laughs> yeah. Um, see, did you, what's the one where uh, she works in a subway station in uh, Chicago? While you were sleeping, have you seen While You Were Sleeping? I don't think I have. It is a wild ride. Basically, she's in love with this guy that she sees goes on the subway every day. This like really rich guy who's played by Peter Gallagher, mm -hmm. the dad from the OC, and he has an accident at the subway where he goes in a coma, and she acts like he is her boyfriend to his family. So his family thinks that like she's dating him, oh. and then she falls in love with his brother. It's a classic rom-com, a true delight. Yeah. And it's better than Gravity. Okay. The main sequence star is basically, it can vary in size, mass, and brightness, but they all do the same thing. They convert hydrogen into helium in their cores, releasing a tremendous amount of energy. Brian, who is the Nets' main sequence star? So, this is a tough one because... Um you know, a lot of reasons. Because, like, you have to pick a star, so it's either between him and Durant, right? Obviously, this is, like, the big... One of the, the big stars that we'll see in, this, in these things. Um, without much equivocation, um, I went Kyrie on this one. Because, like, you know, if everything's going... Like, he's, he's like, the main guy. It's not... He's not there. He's, he's not the supernova star, but he's, he's the kind of... Um, the, the archetype of a NBA star that does exactly the same as other stars before him, which is like lead an offense, score a lot of points at a above average efficiency. He does the star thing, you know, well, I guess. Yeah. Does that work? Yeah, I, I like it. I, I went with Spencer Dinwiddie. Ah. I, I chose a different part of the main sequence star description to base this off of. It's just the fact that his game, 
like main sequence stars, are is adjustable. It's flexible. There's different types of Dinwiddies, as there are different types of main sequence stars. They all have different size, mass, and brightness. Dinwiddie, over his career, has been extremely adaptable. I mean, you talked about he's one of the most fungible uh, basketball players in the NBA. Fun I think that's the word that I'm looking for. Fungible. I think that means basically flexible, but it sounds uh, a little more scientific. Mm. He he has been, over the time he's been a Brooklyn Net, he's been like Mr. Assist-to-Turnover Ratio. Then he became this like supernova bench scorer. Then he becomes a, a mini James Harden this season where justifiably he played like an all-star, though he did not become an all-star this season. Uh, like main sequence stars, Spencer Dinwiddie is uh, varies in size, mass, and brightness depending on what environment he is in. The next star. No, Mike. Oh my gosh, what's that? I see. I see a different star what than see? what you're going for. It's the actual correct answer to the Spencer Dinwiddie star. Oh, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> in the distance. Oh, that's a red dwarf star. Oh. Okay, because oh. red dwarf stars are the most common kind of star in the universe. These are main sequence stars, but they have such low mass that they're much cooler than stars like our sun. They have another <laughs> advantage. Red dwarf stars are able to keep the hydrogen fuel mixing into their core, and so they can serve their fuel for much longer than other stars. That's that's almost like how Spencer... <laughs> that's, that's very abstract. That's almost how Spencer Dinwiddie is. You know, he's like... He's cooler than other stars. He's, he's way low profile. His stats aren't popping off the page as much as other stars, but they're still really good and a, a freaking star, no doubt. Um, and he never takes any games off. You ever see Spencer Dinwiddie resting a, a bursitis or any other <laughs> strange ailment? If he gets hurt, it's because he tore a ligament somewhere, you know? Um, so anyways, that's and he can that goes into the conserving fuel much longer thing. I'm trying to pair that together. Anyways, yes, that's like for it. me. That's for me the Spencer Dinwiddie one. Um, we're on Red Giant Star, right? That was Red Giant. Dwarf. That was Red Dwarf. I've skipped oh, ahead oh. because I, you know I jumped. Oh. oh, okay, okay. Uh, oh, so I went to Wilson Chandler for, for Red Dwarf for Star. Red Dwarf. I said, wow, wow. This is why. Okay, the most common. So when the the phrase is most common kind of star, when that hit me, I thought. Who's the most average player on the Nets? Who is the most distinctly league-wide average player on the Nets? I would say it's Wilson Chandler. Wilson Chandler, essentially, even like his size is league-wide average. The way he shoots the three-point shot, league-wide average. Like everything he does is just basically like replacement level average. But, but you're saying it's average of a star. You're this is this the this but is we why we have to... so many stars. We have to kind of got to choose <laughs> you just some wanna, players on you, the team. <laughs> You just want yeah, average of a thing. Anyway. Well, I would I would also... Stars aren't that unique themselves. There's that, well, that's what I'm billions saying. of stars. Uh, a billion so, billion, you know? Um, More than yeah, that. A trillion billion. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so, I would say, and like, star, like actual stars, not that uncommon. Wilson Chandler, the way he plays basketball, not that uncommon. He's very normal, league-wide average, like Red Dwarfs. Red Dwarfs are the most common stars in the universe. You're, they, now you're just now you're just calling any player a star. That's the thing. This is like the this is well, the you, this is the porn this is the porn star argument. <laughs> this is the porn star argument all over again. All right, uh, Red Giant. Go to the Red Giant. We are back on our magical wow. carpet ride Whoa. through the galaxy, and we are Whoa. passing through. We see Pluto. You and I have some debate whether Pluto is a planet or not, but we will we've, couch that debate we've fought for another time. To tooth and nail over that one. Yeah, go ahead. Tooth and nail. Uh, and and I see outside our Magic Carpet Rides window, because we have windows on our Magic Carpet Ride, a red giant star. And I'm going to wow. explain to you, and, and, and in the moment I say to you, 
When a star has consumed its stock of oxygen in its core, fusion stops. That's what happens in a red giant, and the star no longer generates an outward pressure to counteract the inward pressure pulling it together. A shell of hydrogen around the core ignites, continuing the life of the star, but causes it to increase in size dramatically. The aging star has become a red giant star and can be 100 times larger than it was in its main sequence phase. I think there's only one guy who could be a red giant. That's yeah, DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan, yes. Yeah, obviously. That is correct. We don't even he, need to get into it, it's so obvious. The literally, and the story that we passed through literally has the same hair of DeAndre Jordan. Uh, his fusion has stopped, and he no longer generates outward pressure, but what he contributes to the team is all internal. And mm. now, obviously, he can, he's good at playing basketball, but he contributes mostly his personality. He, uh, pr you know, brings the team together. He does all the fun handshakes. He does all the little sort of fun stuff on the bench. He is always trying to make guys laugh. His contribution is internal, and he's literally an aging uh, star. Mike, squint your eyes. Yes. Oh my what gosh! You? you see that tiny little what piece of I'm shit looking. star in the distance? <laughs> that's that star that sucks. Yeah, it's a, tell uh, it's, that. it's a white dwarf star. Oh, ah, <clears throat> this is when a star has completely run out of hydrogen fuel in its core, and it lacks the mass to force higher elements into fusion reaction. It becomes a white dwarf star. The outward light pressure from the fusion reaction stops, and the star collapses inward under its own gravity. A white dwarf shines because it was hot once, but there's no fusion reactions happening anymore. A white dwarf will just cool down until it becomes the background temperature of the universe. Who you got, Mike? Okay, I don't have a good answer. I, I have a great like... answer. Are you ready? Okay, tell me. This is cheating, but it's Darren Williams. Because <laughs> 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 he is still on contract. This is his last year. $5 million this year. He's just in the background. Piece of shit star. Sorry, that's, uh, that's unfair. I mean, he's a human being, no, not a piece of shit star. He's on the roster, star. technically, kind of. Um, on the cap sheet. I think that that is the right answer. I won't even gain my response because uh, that is the right answer. <laughs> so, and I was thinking we should have some kind of celebration of him when he finally gets off the cap sheet. Yeah, um, that's and, cool, but, but that's understandable. Okay. Um, and finally, wow, Mike, I that's think a we're here. that's a big one. That's a oh. big, that's a big one. That's a big star. <laughs> <laughs> that is Brian. For all of you not on this galactic journey with us, yeah. that is a super giant star, it, the largest of stars in the universe are super giant stars. These are monsters with dozens of times of the mass of the sun. Unlike a relatively though stable star like the sun, super giants are consuming hydrogen fuel at an enormous rate. It will consume all the fuel in their cores with just within just a few million years. Super giant stars live fast and die young, detonating as supernovas completely disintegrating themselves the process. <laughs> yeah. What I a just, dope star. I, just, I decided to omit the last part because I just, that's a little bit... Um, uh, fatalistic? Yeah, yeah. It's, that's too macabre for me. Um, Ooh. But obviously Kevin Durant is the super giant star. Yeah, he's, yeah. This mo he's literally a monster on the basketball court. He uh, Hopefully he doesn't burn bright and blow up. Yeah. We, <laughs> everyone in the Nets nation is hoping that is not true, but totally. he's the super giant. Mike... I can't believe we went all the way around the universe today. That was so exciting. What a joy Truly. that travel was with you. Killer, if, killer if, comparisons if was... are stupid, but so much fun, Mike. So much fun. Um, if you want to play along, I guess you could. You could tweet at us, at BK Glue Guys, to fly along the <laughs> cosmos as we dive into Nets, 
and space and time and place. Follow us at BK Glue Guys on Twitter. Five stars on iTunes. We love your reviews. They mean so much to us. And watch out for future streams and dank memes and content from the Glue Guys. Thank you, Mike.